1: I, can I get into some moments? Okay. 1990, freshman year. You talked about the Michigan game. I want to take you to Knoxville, Tennessee.
2: Oh, oh boy.
1: On Ooh. the road, right? Oh, okay. You're talking about Carl Pickens, Alvin Harper, Man. that squad. Johnny Majors.
2: Ready yeah, yes.
1: Right. Man. You started off as a running back. And I think when I talk about this, you probably can give me a story of how you eventually moved to free safety because I watched this game.
2: So the the funny thing about this this game was so we had just come off playing Navy the, the previous week, and mm-hmm. Coach Holtz was he was not happy uh, because I think we had given up like thirty some points to Navy. Now it wasn't a Navy triple option at the time frame, so we get we get back, and Coach says. I need, it it was myself, Willie Clark, um, oh gosh, I forgot who was the other one. Um, It was four guys that he told to come to Loftus. Mm -hmm. He wanted us to work out as DBs. And so it it was funny because as a freshman, you go into each game and as a running back, I I was circling the games. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna play in this game. I'm playing this game, I'm playing this game, I'm playing playing this game. And I did play in my games, that uh, I circled, I was a little hot. So he brought us in and we did this workout. And uh, and so, you know, I, I moved around. So at the time, my brother's currently a, he's a senior at, at Arkansas now. So he he's playing DB there. So I'm, I call him and I say, hey, okay, here's what's happening. He's like, okay, well, just go out there. You know, you know what to do. Just go out there and we the same DB drills we've done before, just go out and, and do your deal. So I did. and. And it's funny that that week, so I started, so he kept myself and Willie Clark on, on defense. And so me and Willie are, are getting reps over there. I'm not thinking. I, I know I'm traveling because I'm on all the special teams. I have no idea that I'm, ab- I'm about to play. I still have my running back shoes, uh, uh, turf shoes on, high tops out there playing. Actually, I end up playing corner. So I'm Mm -hmm. lined up against Alva Harper uh, and and, uh, Carl Pickens over there with this crazy, with my Hot Top Adidas songs. And it's like, (laughs) what are we doing? And, but, you know, Slick Rick the Ruler, he had the best game of his his life. I mean, he was doing his deal. No. And Rick was fantastic that game. Unbelievable. And he he took it
1: over in the fourth quarter. He just took it over.
2: Well, you know, his deal was he wasn't getting the hype the rest of those guys was. And he, he knew he knew, hey, this is my time to shine. And and he went to work. So it was good. It was obviously you so we, we both know everyone the world knows what he did in the NFL, but it was good for him to have that moment. But, man, I tell you what, lining up across the across there with freshman year and this is your first game, You literally you only had a couple practices and you got a lot of – just Alvin Harper and and Carl Pickens. It's like, oh, boy, okay, just don't throw it my way. I made a couple of tackles, though. I did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that was a big – man, that was a big win for you guys, big no comeback thing. win. And this was amazing. I tell people all the time, I said it's one of my favorite games to watch because I said, Lou Holtz and that offense, they were before that time. I said, dude, because they can motion and you. I said, look, they would just ram you with Ricky Waters for like three quarters. And then, not to mention they had, what, Tony Brooks, Rodney Culver. Rodney Culver was take was catching wheel routes out the backfield, just killing their defensive backs. I said like, he had all this talent. And he would just wear you down. And then in the fourth quarter, he would just throw a pitch to Rocket. And he would just run around the corner because everybody was tired and he couldn't everybody catch him. Everybody was tired. <laughs> And I'm like, yo, it was that was really the greatness at the the amount of time. Do you ever think, man, we had so much talent in one place for a three year span that was absolutely
2: ridiculous. Well, so you you missing a few of those names now? We oh, absolutely. You're talking uh, so Reggie, Dorsey Dorothy you know, Levens was there too, right? I was just about to say that. So right. going, into, going going into so uh coming so my freshman year, so D- Dorsey's sophomore year, Dorsey was supposed to be the starting, starting tailback. Now, what most people don't know now, Dorsey was Dorsey was being recruited by Syracuse as a basketball player. Like wow, like he was legit, like so you're talking about talent. So I was about 5A on the depth chart, you had And obviously Dorsey ended up transferring before the transfer portal is what it is today. But Tony Brooks, you know, Reggie, uh, you know, Rodney, Rodney toted that thing now. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, You know, JB got his totes in the backfield rocket, you know, so there was so much so many guys. And then receiver wise, I mean, you know, we it's there was just so much talent on the field. Um, So I blessed enough to play. I was blessed enough to play. Uh, should I was taking any opportunity that I had available. You want me to kick off? I'll take it. You want me on punt? I'm going to take it. All right, punt turn. Oh, yeah. Oh, Can I put on my plate? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, guys had to get in where they fit in. Otherwise, you sure. sit over there looking. So I tried my best to make sure I got in when I fit in.
1: You know what was crazy about that game? I was watching it and saw Jerome Bettis make a uh, special teams tackle.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. On the the kickoff return. I said, oh, the bus was on kickoff? I said, okay. It goes goes directly to what you were saying. Like, everybody was just trying. Here's a freshman class that is going to be great, but everybody in that class was just trying to find a way
2: to get on the field. Just trying to get on the field. And Jerome was an old American linebacker now. That's right. he was, so he could have played in either either or. So yeah. he, he, he could have played either or and it just everybody just wanted to get on. It just it was just something about that. Everyone wanted to get on the field, everyone wanted to contribute. And at the end of the day, everyone just wanted to have fun. And that's what it's all about. Sugar Bowl.
1: The infamous halftime speech from Lou Holtz. What the heck turned things around? Because it was a totally different Notre Dame team that came out in that second half against the Florida Gators.
2: Well, his his deal was what? What are we doing? You, we prepare for for this moment. Like we our preparation for that game was was completely like so. Going into the game on defense, you had to earn a green jersey. So we didn't wear green jerseys at all at practice, uh, but if you earn a green jersey, then you earn, you earn the right to play, uh, or start or play on defense. And so every day was that, because we knew what we we're dealing with from an offensive standpoint. Uh, Warford was doing his, he, you know, obviously what he he you know Heisman Trophy guy. So we had to earn our jerseys each week, and or each practice. And offensively, we felt like we were a smash mouth, hit him in the mouth football team. And that's what we needed to do. And we got away from our identity. Uh just guys going out there and playing and having fun and competing. And and that's all legitimate. That's what it was yeah. about. What are we doing? It's all about the preparation. We're prepared for this moment. So why and then obviously Jerome had had did his deal so you know guys just knew and that's the the part of the game that the preparation is the most important thing that practices were the most the hardest things that we dealt with like we by the time the game came about we had we were we were confident because we practiced that way we competed against each other we competed against the guys across from us and we felt like so if we can compete against these guys then the games are going to be Games are going to be the game. They're already won, and so go out and play, relax. You know, you know, we're we're at the time I think we're 18th in the country, and they were like number two or three in the country, and we knew that. And but we 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 held them to a higher. We 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 put them on a pedestal. Yeah. On the first half. we did, we did, we and we played that way. We did play loose and play relaxed, and and as you saw, if anyone watches, you can go back and watch it. <laughs> the second half, guys were just absolutely having fun. We were doing our deal. Because, we, you know, we, we gotten to the point that we were just relaxing playing the game the way we should.
1: I tell people all the time, you know, you look at Notre Dame offensive stats right now in this new age of college football. I was like, dude, Lou Holtz is putting up that many points. Just smash mouth. Like the game is the game. Yeah. Right? Game the, game. the game is the game. When you see the success of Kirby Smart and the way Georgia is winning right now, does it amaze you, or do you feel like football has kind of come full circle, and now the way you guys used to win is paramount once again? Like run the ball, and then let everything else flow off of that offensive?
2: I, I respect what 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 uh, Kirby Smart's doing in Georgia now, without a doubt, because he he is he 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 won. He's gonna he's gonna get some dogs on defense and he's going to make you stop you how many how many times especially like you just mentioned there's just a new age is spread and everything is this or that but he wants to run the football he wants to have 12 personnel he wants to have two tight ends in the game he wants to play the game and be physical he's and to beat the teams that he's beating the way he beat them it's something something, something to be said about that you know something to be said about the way he's He's going about it now, and and just challenging his players and going to compete. I mean, I've I've heard some halftime speeches. I've heard some pre uh, the pregame speeches. Heck, I mean, it sounds not not. I'm not saying he's Lou Holtz or 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 anybody. You know, Nick Saban by no means, but he's motivating those guys to be the best version of themselves every play, every minute and ha- you see why the guys are going to play the way they are so with much respect to how they're handling their business now because they they've taken it back to that that's you watch the national championship game it's like okay they were throwing it around but they were toting that thing too it's like okay all right it's gonna be okay and yeah. it that that semi-finals game i saw watching ohio state and you the big 12 is known for the big big what are they now big 10. big 10 it's no longer 10 but they're mm-hmm. known for running the football and so they got into that mindset and they were competing. They were, they were, they were in there now. It, it looked, it looked good, um, but Georgia and Kirby's done some amazing things there. And just uh, the talent level, obviously uh, the number of guys he's put in, in the first round, second round and uh, but they're also doing it at the next level as well. So hats off to him and, and how he's, how he's conducting his business.
1: Okay. Brotherhood If all of you guys are together. Who's the most hated rival of Notre Dame? I I would love to hear how this would go. Is it Michigan? Is it USC? Is it Michigan? Because Michigan State was a big time rival for you guys back then. The George Perlis teams as well. Maybe not as much as Michigan, but where do you think you guys would go?
2: I I would say, I would say USC. Here's why I would say USC. because there's a the level of at the time frame with with they were producing a high level of first round guys at the time mm-hmm. and so you know we didn't we didn't follow all that but you knew the 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 Willie McGinnis's of the world you know they they had those guys so when you go into the games, it was always well, you going out to you' going out to southern- Southern California, you guys don't have a chance right. from your so I would say u s c because that game it was always doing for us it was doing Thanksgiving, and so we would travel there, and um you know twice obviously it was only twice that we did, but we would travel there or they would come here, and they always had guys that were heralded as the next this or the next that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh yeah, now now Michigan on the same is Obviously Michigan, but I would say USC, um uh, just because everyone knows that Michigan Stadium is copied off our stadium. They know that. Uh, <laughs> say it yeah. loud. Say it loud for everybody in the uh, back. Copied off our stadium. But there's still obviously there's still a level of respect. Now those games should be played every year michigan michigan state now it's something about michigan state it's just every they could not have it was didn't matter what their record was they mm-hmm. were coming in and you were going to get that business now and mm-hmm. it's like man, these dudes and they were just they were they were they were blue collar hard nose and hit you in the mouth yeah. they were the big 10 quality you know what i mean and so but i would say usc would be definitely be the be the one
1: now i asked that question because when we talked to pete Uh uh-huh pete was like yo he was like the first time i saw like jumbo elliott and was like yo that michigan game was like a a totally different game than everything else on the schedule like that was like just grown man football you knew what it was and if you got on that field you might as well just strap up it's, it's about to be tough.
2: Well, so P, P saw it at a different angle. I saw all the skill guys that USC had all the time. Oh, so of course, you—you you know what I'm saying. I saw the, yeah. all the receivers that you know. what I, So I saw all, the, all that. He yeah. saw the offensive line that Michigan. Michigan always carried. So we all we both saw it in different in different frames.
1: Man, that's amazing how you guys saw the rivalry from two different <laughs> perspectives, based upon what you had to face. But, man, I would love to see, of course, the Michigan rivalry to be renewed. You know, yeah. I, I agree with you, Coach. Yeah. That's something that needs to happen each and every year. And, you know, if you want to throw Michigan State in there as well, you know, you I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely. You're absolutely. Most memorable moment inside Notre Dame Stadium.
2: Oh, gosh it it would have to be it it would it would be my first touchdown um mm. i guess air force as a freshman uh you know i i i was able to told, you know that's that was a dream come true to be able to 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 dot the i and uh to be able to to, to score a touchdown as a as a true freshman and i just i i had a picture i my i think it's actually at my mom's house. I have a picture of it, uh, me going into the end zone, and that, without a doubt, that would be my moment.
1: How in the world did you become the most efficient running back ever in Notre Dame's history? Twenty-nine carries, one hundred sixty-seven yards, ten
2: touchdowns. <laughs> like... <laughs> well, if it, if it was up to Reggie. <laughs> then I would probably not got a couple of those touchdowns because, uh, <laughs> so. how did that
1: end up happening? Like, like you said, you made the switch uh-huh. over to the defensive backfield, but coach just kept it in his mind like, yo, I want to use Jeff
2: in the red zone. Well, it was, it's funny because we used to have goal line, and Jerome won't tell the story, but I'm gonna tell it <laughs> to the world can right hear. So, we it's, it's one, it was one versus one on, on the goal line. Mm-hmm. And so we are, uh, it's, it's our it's our junior year, and we're stuffing them left and right. Bah, they're trying to run it. We bah, I, hit, I hit Jerome in the hole one time. Bah. So Coach Host is like, okay, well, if we can't score, Jeff, come over here. So, I, so I'll go down, I don't know. All right, call the play. I get in, I score. Calls another time, I score again. And then the rest was, was history. <laughs> it was like, okay, you're on the goal line. I'm like, all right, cool. And just it, it it went from there. So it was just one of one of those competitive deals, competitive drills that we always had one yeah. versus one goal line. And um, then I got flipped over to, to, to offense because, I mean, we were, we were doing work on defense. And so I flipped over and we ended up scoring. And so I got on goal line from there.
1: Coach, we appreciate you giving us time. Now, you know, most Notre Dame fans, if they don't know, I've come to learn that the trash talk amongst Notre Dame players on the uh hardwood has been real for many years. Who was the best hooper on that squad? On uh no. let's say out of your the night, the guys that came with you, the freshmen.
2: Kevin McDougal, no question. Really, K Mac. listen. Any sport you you name, Ke- Kevin was a Kevin could golf. He was could ride a bike. He was like a BMX like champion BMX. Tra- yeah, K Mac, without a doubt, without a doubt. Hey, it's I got to
1: get K Mac on the show.
2: Now, 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 Oliver, Oliver Gibson and Brian Hamilton both played. They played. Uh, they played in the bookstore and all that stuff. Right, came came back. It's that guy for sure. Did you ever
1: play in the the uh, bookstore tournament?
2: I did. I played. Uh, I I played uh, my junior year, and then uh, didn't play my senior year because obviously it was spring. It's in the springtime, and that you're yeah. Uh, but we were our team was called the Headbangers. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: Nice. So, where did you guys finish?
2: Uh, we, we, got, we, got, we got booted early. Uh, actually, we, I can't – that year we got booted early. The next year okay. it was uh, Bobby Taylor, uh, Brian Hamilton, and they actually made it to the finals. And, actually, there's, there's video. Actually, there's video on the, uh, on the internet of that final game. Really? Think, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Lake Dawson was on that squad there. So we had a squad then. I was I was just a coach. I was the coach at the time. I was like, yeah, we had a squad.
1: Now Lake can hoop too. Lake had that Lake without question had the biggest mouth on the
2: team. He had <laughs> no uh Clint. Clint, Clint Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Clint. Oh, Clint would give you that work now. He, he, yeah. He, oh yeah, Clint would give you that work for sure. <laughs> so before I let you go, I have to
1: ask you, what was it like to be part of um the end? of what in my opinion was cut short because of the business of football and would have ended up being possibly one of the greatest rivalries in all of college football that 1990 final matchup with the miami hurricanes like as a freshman what was it like to experience because i'm sure you watched the previous two games in 88 and 89 and you saw how hotly contested they were as a true freshman paint the picture for me like pre game are you coming down the tunnel expecting a, another
2: fight oh yeah you you you're you you you're expecting it to be on and popping at the time you're walking mm-hmm. down because it it they the level of that that the tension between the two teams you could just feel it and mm-hmm. and going into i can remember you know just watching uh Zorro just walking down there and just him and stony uh michael stonebreaker chris Zoro, it's just those dudes just the preparation the mindset coming into that game it was like okay listen you better be about it today because it's it's about to happen and but the level like Todd Light just the game his like his game just was different like it was like a like like he took it to the next level oh my goodness yeah. it was just that going into it because you know at those seniors those guys you're talking about draft status and you're competing against these dudes you better be ready now you better yeah. be about it now and so those games were just they were they were they were special and they needed to be because it's good it's good for college football i mean yeah i i we played them a couple years later you know obviously i wasn't there but just watching those it's good for college football because when you're talking about historical programs and and playing those games and that's what it's about now obviously obviously alabama and georgia what they're doing right now it's still, everyone still wants to play Notre Dame, no matter what, whether, mm-hmm. whether you believe we can win or you just, everyone wants to beat Notre Dame. And, that, and that's, that's college football. You, Man. I gonna be honest with you. I want to play. And, and <laughs> I'm here. I'm like, coach, let's go ahead. And let's schedule. Let Let let's go play play. Play. I'm, I'm, I'm coaching somewhere else. I'm like, coach, hey, hey let's go and get a shot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It you know what's next for you as far as coaching? What do you what do you want to end up? Heck, is is coaching at Notre Dame a dream in the future or something that you would love to do? The NFL, like what's next for Coach Jeff Burge?
2: Well, I do at some point in time, and I'm getting getting older in this profession. This profession is getting a lot younger. Um, my, my ultimate goal is to keep making an impact on on the men that I coach. Um, because I've I've been blessed enough to have some opportunities and to see it in different realms. Um, yes, I do want to be a head coach, but impacting young men's lives is the most important thing for me right now uh, in whatever capacity that may be. Because I know a lot of these young men, they have those dreams. They have the aspirations of being, uh, being the, the next this or next to that. I, I can remember being at Notre Dame and just, you know, watching uh, julian love as a freshman troy pride as a freshman and seeing those guys now by no means am i taking credit for any one of those two guys but just to see those guys um develop and grow into the young men that they are and just see you know just and that's what it's about for me uh seeing seeing young men uh reach their potential more importantly because a lot of times in and while we're, we're talking about it, I want to talk about some, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a segue seg- to seg- mm-hmm. talk go about some mental health issues, because um, that's a lot. A large portion of this is, yes, you, you go to college, there's a lot of expectations. And what if you don't what if you don't achieve those, those quote unquote goals? Life still goes on. Um, a lot of people don't know. Um, yesterday, I celebrated uh you don't celebrate it, but I lost my son uh, three years ago, and he committed suicide, actually. And yesterday was uh, the third third anniversary of, of 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 him leaving. And but it's it's mental health things that young people, because everything is, is all about social media. Everything is about this. All everything is about comparing comparing yourself to this or that. It was different back in the day when we didn't have those things. We didn't have to see it on a constant we didn't have to see instagram we didn't have to see snapchat we didn't have to see the mass media of things and so for me it's more about impacting lives and making sure that at the end of the day you are yes you're a student athlete but the athlete part doesn't have to define you as a man and you need to make sure that you're taking care of your mental you're taking care of your spiritual spiritual and then the physical will be fine because, you know, obviously we we do our share from from a, a conditioning standpoint. So for me, Sean, that's the biggest portion of it right now is making sure that I'm making an impact in young men's lives.
1: And I'm glad that you mentioned that and you, you know, were able to be vulnerable in this moment right here to share that with with us and to share that with the Notre Dame fan base. We on the Lucky Lefty podcast, we have always tried to cultivate a culture to whereas, you know, And we say it multiple times, you know, when you're watching these young men on Saturdays, understand that they're more than just entertainment for you. Without a doubt. They have personal lives and you have no idea what they could be dealing with mentally, spiritually, or just in their family lives. And, you know, with that being said, as the extension of the Notre Dame family as fans and as podcasters and Malik as a former player, part of the brotherhood, He'll tell you, we, we feel you guys. And there's a – it's different. Yeah. It's different. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's a different fan base. Uh, it's a different set of young men that have come through Notre Dame and come out on the other side. And the brotherhood is totally different. And people say, oh, it's always brotherhood. I'm like, no, I'm telling you. I've experienced this brotherhood, and it's unlike anything I've seen. So – your family and you, Coach, will continue to have our prayers, continue to have our condol- condolences and support for anything you do, anything that you and your family are connected to that deals with mental health, any outreach things, please get Absolutely. in contact with myself and Malik, Absolutely. and we're right there with you. We'll, Man, we'll come to wherever you are to support whatever you guys have because we believe in it, and we just want you guys to know that the Notre Dame fan base – truly loves you and has your back. I I appreciate you, my brother. Truly do. Appreciate you. Absolutely. So we want to have you back on because I want you and Malik to be able to talk about the nuances of Notre Dame. There's some things you guys know that I don't know. So I (laughs) had to just stick to the historical stuff and just the story. But I'm going to have you back on with Malik for part two of this interview because there's so many other things that we can get into with the great Jeff Burris. Notre Dame fans, thank you for tapping in tonight. And um you can follow him on Twitter. He's a defensive back coach for the uh, University of Louisiana Rage and Cajuns. By the way, you guys have some sweet helmets. I don't I don't care what anybody says. Your helmets are sweet. Appreciate Contin- that. Continued success to you, coach, and all of your endeavors. And uh we love you. And man, we'll have you back on real soon.
2: Love you too. And I appreciate the I appreciate you having me on.
1: Absolutely. Notre Dame fans, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Myself and Malik, we'll get into some more conversation about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and new offensive coordinator, Jared Parker. For the great Jeff Burris, I'm Sean Davis. Man, you don't know. This just made my day to be able to enter. This is one of my heroes, man. (laughs) For Jeff Burris, I'm Sean Davis. We bid you adieu until we see you tomorrow morning right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast.